The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 84 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Kalati, at Gelati LOL. With me tonight, we've got three quarters of the regular crew. We've got Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. And John George at the Esports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? Uh, Chris will hopefully be hopping in next time. You can find him at Prime LOL on Twitter. So, it's December 16th. A little bit before the holidays coming up here, uh, before the the wheels start kicking into motion for next season. But we have our second hot stove season show here, and we're going to be focusing almost entirely on the LCK and LPL today because the LEC and LCS were basically finished when we discussed them last time. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a couple of the moves that have happened since, including the finalization of what looks like it could have been a disaster with the whole TSM fiasco. We'll cover that in a little bit. And uh, that's basically going to be the show. There's a lot to get through, so we might not spend too much time on certain things, but I think the ones that are relevant we'll we'll spend some time on. And uh, just to give you guys an idea of what the schedule's looking like, just in general moving forward, um, we're gonna. This is probably going to be the only other hot season, hot stuff season show. We we usually only do like two, sometimes three. Probably in a couple of weeks. I mean, we might do one show before the holiday. Uh, we'll have, I'll have to get you guys up after this on uh, scheduling for that. But we'll probably do something before the holiday. And then, honestly, after that, it's probably going to be kicking into power ranking shows and stuff like that, like right away. So we, we got the announcement today, and I didn't put this in our itinerary, but we should touch on it. But the rumored format change that Travis Gafford was talking about like two months ago is in fact going through uh, Riot released a video basically was it Riot that released I don't think Riot released it maybe it was Riot uh, basically put a video out stating what the format's going to be uh, it's going to be basically one long season now uh, separated with like a small break in between for the for the midseason invitational and we're going to have, they're calling it the lock-in, which is basically like the LCS version of a preseason tournament that we see in all these other leagues. My guess would be that we're going to see a lot of like prospects and stuff in this tournament. I don't know if you guys got that vibe. It's yeah, like a- it's, it's some reason to do that, and it depends. I think maybe this first time we might not. Uh, I think this first time teams might try to win it. And just get their name on a plaque, you know, as the winner of the, the lockdown. But I do think you're right that in long term, I think it's a good place to do it. That's Kespa Cup and Demacia Cup have yeah. been doing that for a while now. Yeah. So it makes sense that the, the lockdown would do the same. Yeah, I mean, that that was my interpretation of that because it doesn't actually affect anything, right? If I, could, if I remember correctly. I don't think it actually affects anything, but you know, I could be wrong. Double check me on that. So basically, we're going to have this basically like a preseason tournament. Then we're going to have spring and summer 
but the records are going to be tallied together. There's just going to be a break in between. So it's going to be very similar to traditional sports with an all-star break or like an Olympic break in like an Olympic year. So we'll have, instead of spring split and summer split separated, they're going to be separated on the schedule, but the records are going to count all together for the LCS. So ultimately we're going to get more games out of this. I think they're at, they're adding another round Robin total. I think or they're adding another two, right? So it's going to be 40, was it 45 games each team? I think it is. Yes. It was, it was in the forties. I can't remember the exact 46, number, but it might yeah. be 46. I think it might be like half round Robin or something like that. I remember cause it's going to end up being 46 total regular season games, which is an upgrade from the 36 that we had. So, uh, I'm definitely misquoting this. I should have rewatched it before we started tonight, but whatever. It's he's going, oh yeah, it's 47. I'm just going to add a number to it every time. <laughs> but so more in if if you think about it, we've for a long time we've wanted more games from the Western leagues, right? Uh, especially the LCS because you know they need it. <laughs> I don't want to say it that way, but uh, so that's going to happen. Uh, if you want to know more about it, obviously you can look into the the video on the format changes and everything, and that'll do a much better job than I just did. But long story short, more games. Uh, oh, they're also switching schedules, so it's going to be uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the LCS. Five games each day, which is sweet. No more two-game Friday night. I kind of liked the Monday night, Friday night experiment. Where it was just like two games, like on a week, like especially on the Monday night, I liked the two game Monday night because it felt like Monday night football. It's like okay, like I have time to watch this game. I don't have time to sit down for twelve hours on a Monday, you know. But uh, I, I kind of like that. But we're gonna get Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five games each, which is basically adding another day worth of good, D- the good version of the DFS slates, right? Yeah, an extra DFS, uh, an extra day DFS every week, an extra day of of bet, a full betting. I think it's a, uh, I think it's pretty cool. I did kind of like the the four days with two small slates. Like I thought that was like from a, a viewer perspective, not as a DFS player, but just for as a viewer, I kind of liked that. From a DFS perspective, I think this is far better. Yeah, uh, five game slates are where you want to be at. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, so yeah, more information on that. You can you can obviously look at the video. They do a pretty detailed breakdown of it. Other news: we had two items here, and if there's anything else you guys want to add that I'm forgetting about, you can add it on toward the end. But um. Literally, like the day after we re- we last recorded, Double Lift retired, and we got some clarity on this whole TSM thing, which we're going to touch on shortly. But um, Double Lift retires. I think it's fair to say that I I don't think Double Lift quite garners the like play skill Hall of Fame level. Like he's not Uzi. Like it doesn't carry that kind of gravitas. But in terms of personality and a guy that's literally been playing this game professionally for ten years, uh, influenced a ton of people. Probably the best North American player ever. Is anybody Bjergsen maybe? But Double F played for literally ten years. I don't think you can really. It's it's hard to to compete with that kind of longevity. Yeah, and he was homegrown, right? So it's a little bit different than Bjergsen who came over from Europe. So yeah. Also, just yeah. the, the story of it is is crazy with with basically crashing on Travis's couch because his parents kicked him out, and then you know he went through all the the you know the you know traumatic events with his his family and his brother and everything. Um, yeah, it's it's wild. It, it's if yeah. it, it's weird. It, it it didn't hit me until like a couple days after it happened, 
And I was like, dude, this is like going to look different. But at the same time, like it wouldn't surprise me at all if he just like came back for summer, right? It's it's hard not. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back for summer. And it's hard not to call him the NA goat. But I will say, calling him the NA goat definitely, or saying that he is right now, I think makes sense. But it definitely leaves the door open for like a real. NA goat, like a, a white knight NA goat in the future when NA actually has some success. Cause for all double ifs, like success in NA, he never really had any success on the international stage. Like it's not like he brought NA to the promised land. You know what I mean? So I think it does. I, I 100% agree that you have to call him the goat right now, but I think it, just, it leaves the door open. If somebody can come in and elevate a team to get them into the finals at Worlds or to win a world championship, I don't think it's like one of those spots that's locked up forever. You know, like this guy's going to go down for sure as the goat forever. Yeah, this isn't Wayne Gretzky. Open. Yeah, it's it's open for somebody else to come and take it if somebody can elevate NA to the promised land here. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you could always make the argument that he didn't really have that much competition. But I, one of the things that always amazed me with Double Lift is he got he he kind of had this. I want to say he was mis. I want to say mischaracterized, but he had this identity for like the first half of his career. And it took people so long to shake that, like, oh, I need all the resources. I need all the support. I'm the hyper carry. I, you know, he wasn't, if you watched like the last, really like four years of his play, he wasn't like that. The guy did everything, was capable, he played almost every, every meta champion that ever was. Uh, didn't really dip into the mages too much, but we've seen him dabble in a lot of different things. Had success in everything. Uh, I, I mean, this is a guy that had, he was an eight-time LCS champion. That's almost half of the LCS titles, which is crazy. You know, anybody that's, like, in the first 20 years of a sport had half the titles? Or 10 yeah, years? Yeah, three, three different orgs is big, too. You yeah. know, getting, to the, getting there with three different orgs. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a bummer to see him go, mostly because, like, he's he's such a... At this point, he's, like, such a venerable personality, too. He's like, he, he has a gravitational pull on things in terms of, like, his persona, how he carries himself. Really, his play on the Rift, too. And to, like, I, even this last, like, the, the last two years of his career, I thought he was excellent in the last two years. Maybe not as much this year. 2019, he was maybe the best he's ever played. And I say that, obviously, he looked better back in the day, but he had competition now. And he still... Talk about a guy – the all-time greats constantly develop their game because it's really difficult to stay on top. It's what's so impressive about Uzi. It's what's so impressive about Faker, about Deft, about all these guys that we that are in that pantheon of the best ever, right? He did it maybe not quite in a, as competitive a league, but he essentially did the same thing. So I don't want to take anything away from Doublelift's career. I, I think it's – I mean, Keen Lamb wrote an amazing piece for Riot if you, uh, you want to – Check that out. I think it's called the case for double lift or something like that. I'm just gonna take a. You can just Google Keen Lamb. The point of double lift was the the title of it, and uh, just a great piece. Touched on a lot of highlight points in his career. Just yeah, I, I wanted to give him some time because th this is a this is a, a big this is gonna be a guy that's on the Mount Everest for North America, even if someone ends up surpassing him. You know, so. All right. Um. Yeah. Poor went out for double lift, right? Uh. We this was actually like yesterday. We finally got like an official ruling on the CV Max situation from last year. 
which if you guys remember from Worlds in 2019, there was a whole lot of drama with CV Max and the Griffin management and uh, Kanavi and the different players and Sword and all. There, there was a whole string of different angles to this story. But the end result is CV Max, who was still going to coach DRX, is now suspended until May 14th. He has dubbed himself inactive, or League PVD at least has dubbed him inactive uh, as a result of allegations of player abuse um, from that time period. If you want, you can look into it more. I don't want to say anything more than that because that's just all we have. Like, I don't want to speculate on anything more than that. I think that's probably the right. Do you guys have it? Did you guys read anything more on this? No, I, I honestly hadn't even heard about it. I mean, again, it's just, you know, um, it was a long drawn out process and it seems like they came to what they feel was a fair, um, you know, punishment and kind of got to respect that decision, I think. Yeah. I mean, you can't be doing stuff yeah, it was, like that, but yeah, it was just done. like a, it was just such a bizarre situation when it happened. I, I honestly didn't think that there was anything coming from that because it was so long ago it's now. It's been a year. It's been yeah, like a literal year. I was surprised to hear that anything was happening with it when it's, you know, it's been a full calendar year since then. And it was such a weird situation that seems to have in some ways kind of worked itself out. Like clearly, uh, I, I don't know what happened, but clearly if it was super bad, probably he wouldn't have had players loyally follow him to another team. But if it was nothing, then it wouldn't have been an issue to begin with. Yeah. So I'm guessing, you know, we don't know what happened, but it's, it's got to be something in the middle there, you would think. But who knows? It's just weird. Oh, it was a crazy situation. Yeah, I think that's worth. That's definitely a good point you make because why would Doran and Chovy go to another team with him if it was really that bad? But I, I, again, I mean, I almost yeah. I mean, and again, this gets into a little bit of speculation. I don't want to cross that too far, but. Those situations are just always so hard to get any sort of realistic read on because you never know if it's like, you know, he was playing favorites with the good players. And if you weren't up to his standard, then then he snapped and went into another person, right? So, like, you know, maybe to them it wasn't bad, but their teammates, like, you know, and maybe they just don't have the empathy or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Reasonable uh, point, reasonable point. But it, it's just always tough to get a read on those. Like you say, it's, it's, it's tough to speculate on these types of situations because we just don't know. You know, we're not a fly on the wall and, and we, we get limited information due to language barrier and, and lack of media coverage and all those different things. Probably from these- lawyers saying not to say anything is another thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, definitely, definitely a tough situation to give any sort of like, you know, outright explanation for, but you know, at the end of the day, I think it is what it is and you just got to kind of affect or sorry, uh, It'll it'll change our outlooks a little bit going forward on 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 these teams that it affects, right? Yeah. Um. Anything else? News wise, besides roster moves, which we're gonna just spend the rest of the show on. I just a quick uh, a quick shout out to our boy Tim Sevenhusen, who has blown up massively in the last like three oh, months, yeah. gone from uh, kind of uh, a smaller streamer and, and YouTube guy. Uh, all the way to like yesterday, I loaded up Twitch and he was the top recommended person to watch. That's awesome. Love Tim. Love his work. We had him on our uh, our, our show where we got predict uh, predictions for everybody from Worlds. So shout out to Tim real quick there. Just uh, if you're not already following Tim Seven Hughes, make sure to do it. He's got great analysis. Really puts his heart into it. Yeah, he's been doing um like 
Yeah, look, he's been looking at a lot of the new like like tape for the, a lot of the new players and stuff like that, and doing you know sort of like fantasy drafts. Kind of, he did one of those yesterday. That was yesterday, I think it was, or the day before. Yeah, honestly, I'd love to bring him back on. I'm gonna ask him. I'd love to bring him back on just to have him go over his thoughts about the players that are new to the league, yeah. like for the LCS and, and LEC, or at least LCS. He's always really good about his his reads on on the newer players because he watches a lot of like the scouting ground stuff and and tape like that. So, yeah, definitely checked him stuff out. Obviously, I think a lot of people listening to this use Oracle's Elixir already, but he's got plenty of other content and he's been you know really pushing up his production on that kind of stuff too. So definitely check his stuff out. He's outstanding. Yeah, the only other news pieces I'd add, um, Cloud Nine made some coaching changes that might, you know, end up being they're they're pretty pretty big names in the scene relatively higher. Um that I think, you know, will will help our outlook of them. And then I think Kelsey Mosier uh announced yesterday that she's stepping away from Hundred Thieves and going back into content creation, I believe. Uh, I don't want to misquote that, but I think that was, that was something along those lines. Just some coaching changes in NA that were, you know, you never <laughs> coaching's kind of like the great unknown in League of Legends yeah. for we, I feel like we talk about that all the time where it's like, you know, we may think we have the answer, but it's just like we don't know if their coach is just telling them X, Y, Z. But um, so those, those are inter- interesting situations to watch nonetheless where, you know, there may be some sort of outcome or there may not be. Who really knows? Yeah. Like, so we knew Reaper was gone and we had questions like that's pretty big shoes to fill. But, you know, we have somewhere for now. Um, I'll say one other thing because we didn't really talk about uh, did you guys want to talk about the ESPN thing? I don't know. Like it just, it, it feels badly timed to me. ES- Honestly, so I'll- essentially, ESPN ESPN drops the esports department more or less. Huh? I want to hear Roy. Interesting, John. You, you seem like you had something there. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Honestly, I, I'm just making a read. It's just hot take season. I think ESPN's just dying, and I think they're just trying to find a way to save money, big yeah. any way they can save money. Like if you remember, all of us were, were sports fans to some degree or another growing up, and Sports Center was on every TV, like yep. everybody's house, every TV had Sports Center at some point, and every all that bar, kind of stuff. Every store, every everything. Yeah, Airport. and no one's going, no one's going there anymore. Like no one's really watching ESPN comparatively. You know like, why? They, they they basically had the market cornered for. Yeah, exactly. We got we got phones. We can get personalized content. If you if I want to hear about the NBA, I can go listen to Hardwood Proxyism on Twitter, who's just a fucking NBA genius who knows everything about the NBA. I don't have to go listen to Stephen A. Smith yep. or like whatever whoever they put whoever whatever talking head they put on the NBA show on ESPN. I can just go straight to the exactly the guy I want to know about, you know, and yeah. and specific creators. So well, I think can... ESPN is just struggling. I don't think this is a thing about esports. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree. And I, we, we talked a lot about this in the, the eSports Department Discord, which is free, by the way, and you should check it out for sure because there's, you know, maybe a little less conversation now, but there's been, you know, we've been stepping it up in the different channels and everything, talking during the offseason about uh-huh. news and everything. All we talk about now is the food gelati cooks and <laughs> experiences. So. The hashtag food and drinking channel. It's weird, but, you know, whatever. Um, so... Yeah, I, I agree with you, John. I think this is more just a bigger picture look at ESPN than it is at specifically the you know the esports angle. Of, like they're not. I, I don't think they're in denial that esports is like a thing. I think this was just a budget cut situation. 
Now, I, I don't know what they were paying those people when they're paying how many millions of dollars for college football, like TV rights. I have no idea. But, I mean, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe they are. Just go ahead, Josh. Yeah. Well, I, I, I kind of want to get John's take because I know he's had a couple – I mean, he's he's spoken out on this a couple times just in terms of, like, companies not necessarily prioritizing the future enough when it comes to the space as well as, you know, maybe – his business background, but kind of curious. Cause like, it, it seems like a bad move to cut the most, I, what I feel like is one of the highest ceiling. Like at this point, even in like something like NFL, which I'm super passionate about. I love the NFL. I love the product. Um, I, I think it's a phenomenal product and I think it deserves a lot of coverage and things, but like you, at this point, you sort of know the ceiling, right? Yeah. Cause I feel like esports is more of like the, 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 riskier investment that has like way way higher ceiling so in terms of like from even from a business aspect it just seems like an odd move to me to me like what what really is the risk like how much is it costing them that that, that's to me that's what that was the weirdest part about it to me is like if they're gonna pay if they're gonna pay what how many what so josh while he's talking look like just google like the the college football deal that they have for like whatever it is like monday night football or whatever like (laughs) Just Google the TV deals. How much does it really cost to have like ten esports writers? Real realistically, yeah. like, go ahead, John. And, and you're right. Like, I, you're definitely right. But I think one thing that people forget sometimes is that there's like a lot of infrastructure that goes behind having those people. So you, you have to have ten writers, but then you have to have somebody that watches, like, that is their manager, and then Editor. you have to have somebody that edits their content. You have to have somebody who's who's the overall person that's taking care of even the manager that's above them that's watching this stuff. And a lot of the times it's companies like ESPN that I do not think are forward thinking when it comes to this. Like, I think they got involved in esports because they knew it was going to be something, but I don't think like the guys at the top of ESPN right now are like all in on league of legends. Like, I think they're like to some degree, probably think it's a fad just of, of some kind. But anyway, point being, um, they, they put some people, some managers that are probably from the traditional sports and they just, they would have just tacked that onto their, their job. So now you're the guy who does this and you're the guy that watches over the esports people. Yeah. And a lot of times I think maybe what they're thinking is like these people that are traditional sports people that have been kind of segued into this esports thing are being overworked now or they're not happy with what they're doing. They'd rather reduce what they're doing and have them go back to focusing on other stuff. And they just don't um, treat it the same way and like, yeah, and they really might not. And uh, to Josh's thing, I think the the thing about it is, I it it's definitely bad. It's definitely a bad idea. You're right that the ceiling on esports is significantly higher, and they don't know what it is, and it can't cost that much money to be involved in it right now. I think though, these companies when when they're having a hard time, they're going to look at what's making the money right now. Yeah. And right now, just esports isn't making the money right now. I'm sure they're thinking. In five years, if esports is as big as football, we can get back into esports. Like we can go find some people and get back into it. But right now, it's not making us money, and football is. So let's devote more money to football. Let's devote more money to ads on football. It might be to that to them. Literally, like running a thirty-second ad during Monday Night Football is more profitable for them than having an esports department. Yeah, and so they can take all the salaries of all the esports people and buy one ad, and it makes them more money. And so if they're struggling, I wouldn't be surprised if they're literally just like, we're cutting things that are not making us money. Period. And we'll come back to them. Like, yeah. No and we'll come back to them. Yeah. And I mean, to some degree, that makes sense from their point of view. Like, they have a lot of money. 
maybe not as much money as people think, but they have a lot of money. And if in five years, if esports, if league is as big as football in five years, there's no way they can't go out and hire a department. Well, they want to survive until then. If it's that, yeah. if it's really that dire, which I mean, it very well might be. I think because they're because really they're, be. they really are, they're cutting across the board. It's not like it's not just this. Oh yeah. Like, and yeah. this has been like a slow and steady decline over the last really like decade. Maybe t- honestly, like maybe fifteen years. I mean, there's a few things working against them, right? I mean, like one, just in general, like millennials don't watch TV as much. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're owned by Disney, who is one of the like just got cleaned out right by COVID because there there just can't really be a Disney theme park, which is like a, a massive revenue driver. Yeah, and you're seeing Disney like hard index into streaming services now, like that's yeah. their that's their pivot, which you know makes sense. And then, yeah, and then three is something I'll ask each of you. Like, I personally didn't ever really care for the ESPN stories. Same. Um, and I don't know if that's, like, what really spawned that for me. But I just never even really – like, I followed them on Twitch, but I would never even really watch them when they were doing their things. Um, and then the caveat I'll, I'll tack onto that is, like, they do still have – I think they still have Arda. Um, so they do still have, like, one or two esports people, but – I don't know. It just feels like they never really got an established foothold. So maybe it was one of those where like, you know, we invested in this for two years and you guys didn't do enough to gain enough traction to return on it. Yeah. I go see the streams. They'd have like 70 viewers and like for ESPN, like that's gotta be, you know, a little bit of a slap in the face for a company that size to be, you know, being overlooked. Yeah. So I, I you know, that's kind of some other, other reason that other reasons that may may play into it, but curious to hear what you guys' thoughts are on those as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you can. Oh, go ahead. I mean, for me, for me, it's yeah. I, I'm kind of with you, Josh, in that like, if you want to consume, we live in we live in an era like an information era that that allows you to partake in very niche, very specific content that you want to partake in. How you want to consume sports? It's not just sports anymore. And before, that's what ESPN had a grasp on was they just had the umbrella of sports in general, and that's what was so you they, they were ubiquitous because they just had their hands in everything, right? If you wanted like you know before we had smartphones and everything, like it was just the quick take, what happened last night, right? And now you, between like all the apps and and scoring apps and and all this different stuff, that's one aspect of it. The other thing is. Maybe I'm more interested in the betting angle of sports, or maybe I'm more interested in the the individual story angle of sports, or maybe I'm just into the X's and O's of whatever I'm into, whether it's basketball or football or whatever. There's content out there for for me, whatever it is. If I want to watch football scouting specific content, where it's literally scouts or former scouts talking about prospects, I can do that. There is like a podcast that probably has 200 listeners that I can consume and that is better content than anything ESPN's ever going to put out in terms for that specific thing. Might not be as polished, might not be as professional or whatever, but if I want that specific niche, I can get it. And there I think the the broad general appeal is just a thing. I don't want to say it's a thing of the past, but it's a lot harder to have that general appeal because you really do need to have you know, far reaching, you know, I guess like a web, like your web needs to be gigantic if you're going to be all encompassing in any field. Right. Because 
you know, what, what anybody wants is going to be different person to person. Like you have the people that watch one football game every week for their team. You have one, you have the people in esports. you have people that watch one team. They don't, they don't give a damn what's happening in China or Korea. Right. So I, th- I think that the whole, um, and it's double edged sword too, but that's a different conversation. But I think that's I, a fantastic take though. Yeah. Like, like honestly, I think that's, <clears throat> I didn't think enough about that. And I think it's, it's a great thought is that, I do remember when I was young and Sports Center was on, and it would be annoying sometimes when it would cycle through golf or something that I didn't care about. But it was like this is where I am going if I want to hear, hear about sports. Like this is the channel that I'm watching to hear about what happened in sports yesterday. And now you're right. I don't need to hear about what's happening in sports. I don't need to know what happened in golf. So I don't need to go to ESPN. I can go to you know the tennis app, and it's going to tell me exactly what happened in tennis. And I don't have to listen to the stuff about golf because tennis is what I wanted to know about to begin with. And I was just going to say, I think you can see all this playing out in real life. Most people who are sports fans, I think if you looked at your lives, you can see this playing out because I watched Sports Center a bunch when I was a kid. My dad watched Sports Center a bunch 20 years ago. I don't think either one of us has watched ESPN really, probably, unless there was a specific thing like when the MMA comes on, maybe we go watch it. But other than that, like we don't just turn on ESPN, neither one of us for probably the last 20 years. It's not the default anymore. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I'm guessing Uh, most sports people are like the same as us. Well, like, what's yeah, the ESPN now? Like, for, I, I guess, like, the big thing now is, like, Barstool, right? Like, Barstool is, like, the new ESPN. Like, it's different, obviously. But yeah. that that quick hitter, like, I, I consume 10 minutes of this content every day. Like, and I can accomplish the same thing in 10 minutes. And maybe get a more personal, like, I, I personally doesn't appeal to me that much. But I, that is, a lot of people are consuming that now. Like, they, they're huge, right? So, yeah. that's the new... It's almost like a millennial business model. Like you got to think about like the people watching sports. You have like the old school, and then the vast majority of the population is you know eighteen to forty five, right? So if that's the case, they want that you know people our age. We want that quick hitter content. Like most people want that quick hitter content. They don't want. And if they want to dive into it further, they can go find something more niche than that. So ESPN's kind of just like neither. And it's in this weird yeah. spot. And I don't mean to make this whole podcast about ESPN, but like, right. um, I just thought it was like really, really interesting. And it, it kind of speaks to just content generation, like content production and, and creation in general is that you got to find sense. a niche. Okay. I was just going to say that makes sense. Why one of the most successful things that ESPN has done in the last few years was the 30 for thirties, because that's your specific content. That's your, I remember Reggie Miller. I want to watch the Reggie Miller versus the Knicks. Very specific content rather than the, you know, general web that you're talking about. So that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. And even, even for me, like, I remember growing up, like, I would try to wake up at an each day at a specific time so I could get there, so I could get in my kitchen, have my breakfast made and sit at the, di- uh, sit at the kitchen table, watch the sports in their top 10 go off and then leave and go to school. Yep. Right. And it's like, now I don't need to because I can just open up Twitter. And I see the top plays, right? You know what I mean? Like everyone's retweeting it on my timeline. If you follow the right people, you'll find all the top plays from the previous night. You know, anything else crazy or out of hand. And then you turn on the, like, man, you know, these just aren't anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, I think it's a, uh, it's an interesting kind of shift of guard or, or however you would phrase it. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of just speak. I mean, if you look at it, it's like content in general and like, like it's, it's less about general. Like covering, like ESPN had that. It was this general take, like 
quick hitting content. And it's like now like we can customize our media consumption to our heart's content, which is great. But unfortunately, companies like that struggle with it. So they're going to have to find – I'm interested to see what they do because like I, I don't think – they're they're too big to fall. It's like one of the, you know what I mean. Like they're they're too big to just like crap out like that. So they're gonna make some kind of adjustment. I don't know what it is. It looks like they're trying to go toward like apps and streaming platforms, but we'll we'll see. Anyway, yeah. I didn't mean to make this whole thing about ESPN, but it's a really interesting discussion. So I, I I wanted to mention it because you know I didn't like all of the esports content, but they had a couple really really good writers there that I I think are gonna quickly find a home. Or a new a new gig, so I'm not too worried about those people. But you know, Emily, J- uh, Jacob Wolf, um, there was there was at least a couple more that I think have Fionn. good content. Yeah, Fionn had like like there were people that ma- they were making good content, not just for league, for like esports in general. So yeah, hopefully, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of them have already found other gigs or have other plans. So they'll, I'm sh- I hope they land on their feet, but um, we'll see. It's gonna be interesting to see how that goes. All right. Let's do the LCS and the LEC. We're going to get into the roster moves here. Uh, the LEC and the LCS were mostly done already. We just wanted to touch on a couple other moves. I put them at the bottom for the spreadsheet here, guys. I don't know if you see this. So um, we're still waiting on a Shock 80 carry. If, if you're still waiting, I know it's forgiven. I don't know if you guys are <laughs> <laughs> This is true. This is true. Um, it's, Josh, have you heard anything? Yeah, it's whoever was uh, neon. I think. Oh, no, it's just that... gonna be. Is it just gonna be neon again? And they just haven't. Yeah, it, it's still neon. Uh, okay. His contract hasn't been updated, yeah, so sure. that's why it was throwing me off. Okay. Yeah, it's it's neon. He. Um, uh, yeah. He was fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think he was like particularly bad or or good. It was just kind of like. Okay, like, I mean, I get the thing is like these kind of players is like is, as much of a snooze fest or like you know like sleeping resident sleeper or whatever as as much as these guys are like I was talking about this last week with Sol- like last time with Solo right like we might think that he's never gonna have a season like this again but there's still a market for like a guy like that like there's still a market for like this is an LCS caliber top laner like role player the the like league average player. Is a very underappreciated player in, in everything. Gen- yeah, yeah, and it, regardless of sport or whatever, uh, even regardless of industry, like you could say the, the. I'm sure John has experienced this, right? Like, if you get an average employee, like you'll take that nine times out of ten because you know they're just going to do their job and they're not going to mess it up. Yeah, and that's better than what you get, you know, a lot of times. So that's better than what you get forty nine point nine percent of the time. So you're 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 pretty like reasonably happy with it. Exactly. Although there was, I'll say this, totally unrelated, really, but just a, like an interesting fact. There's been a couple like captains of industry. I, unfortunately, I can't remember who said this quote, but there was a guy I read an essay by who broke down why having an elite employee at any given position is worth like roughly a thousand to ten thousand times having an average employee at any given position, and how important it is to like really search out the best people and pay them well. And it really like, it was a really long, like, a lot of math in there and a lot of theory breaking down why it's like insanely important to really find the best people and pay them and not settle for league average employees. But that's mostly in business. It's not unrelated, but I just thought it was really cool. Yeah. Interesting. Um, <laughs> um, Fanatic 
this happened like oh, this is another thing that happened like the day after we last recorded was Fnatic are adding Yamato Cannon and Tolki. So everybody knows who Yamato Cannon is at this point. Uh going from went from Europe to the Caster Desk to Korea with Sandbox for a season and then came back cuz you know I don't want to speculate. He says he's going to talk about it eventually, but maybe the time hasn't passed yet. I haven't he- I haven't heard him say anything yet. Um and interestingly, Tolki, who was uh, an analyst for T1, I don't know how much you guys know about this guy. He's a great Twitter follow. Um, he is like a programmer, like a coder, right? And he's done, uh, like, you know, like the in-house system that the, the in-house scrims that the NA, like, NA is using right now? It's a product of, of him. Like, he wrote this stuff. Um, he was doing basically League of Legends analytics, for a T1 last year. Completely under the radar. Almost nobody was talking about it. But he was writing code to do scouting. Writing code to do this. Honestly, doing a lot of stuff that like we draw parallels to. With modeling and stuff like that. Doing a lot of that kind of thing. Which I think is crazy forward thinking. For Especially for... You know, you know we have these organizations that we have our questions about. Right? <laughs> In terms of their management. Uh... Fnatic, go ahead and add him as well. And coincidentally, he's also uh, he's he's from France, so or he's at least I know he at least speaks French. He might not be from France, but um, heading back home, so to speak, after working in Korea for a little bit. So I like these additions. I know Yamato. We get the Yamato kind of like first two splits buff for Fnatic. Is that a th- do, we, do we still think that's a thing, or is that like just a meme of the past? It probably has some level of. Of validity still. I mean, if, he, if he's good at coming up with strategies that people aren't able to adapt to quickly, I don't think it's always been the same strategy. So it's yeah. not like he's going to come in there and do the same thing he's done every time. So, I, I, yeah, I think there's some validity to it. Also, just really quickly, uh, the person that I was talking about earlier, just so I don't, just so I give them some credit, was uh, Reed Hastings, the creator of Netflix, was the person that wrote that uh, essay that I was talking about. Shout out. Um, yeah, so... I mean, we already liked Fnatic's roster. Like, so obviously Europe has this weird dynamic where it's like G two and everyone else, right? But I think like we talked. It was Fnatic and Rogue. I think were like the actual competitors, and then maybe probably there's probably going to be some dark horse, maybe like Vitality or, or you know what I mean. Like it'll be somebody else too that'll probably end up competing. But like those are the big three that looks like they were like trying to win it right now. I think these are good additions for Fnatic. Like, Fnatic as a team have historically struggled starting slow and taking basically the entire calendar year to find their identity. They just always had really, really good players. It's just like absolute stud players. And it just took them a while to figure out who they were. And then by World's time, it was it's like a meme at this point. The Fnatic get a World's buff, right? But maybe, I mean, the one thing Yamato Ken has been good at in his career is every team he's coached immediately has an identity, like, right away. Uh, usually it's pretty linear, but, like, it's been a different thing every time, but he knows how to basically get everything, you know, heads, you know, fast-forwarded. And, uh, yeah, I I like the addition of Tolkien, too. Yeah, Fnatic, interesting. I, I think Fnatic are probably going to be... I'm, I'm going to have some Fnatic shares to win the split, probably, because G2 are going to be, like, prohibitive favorites, and I'm going to probably have some, some piece of Fnatic and um, Rogue and probably Vitality also. Because I'm with you, John. I like that Vitality lineup quite a bit. And in terms of, like, upside, we'll see. 
bunch of people in their sophomore season. Um, any other I thoughts just, on this? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, to tap in real quick to remind you that Fnatic is going to go ninth place because they didn't sign Crown Shot. Thank you. Or um, Josh's L- uh, LEC single LEC take for the season. It's just going to be mono that every single. We're going to be like going through the LEC games every week, and he's going to be like, "Yep, you wouldn't have lost. They'd be minus five hundred if they signed Crown Shot." You know, <laughs> if, you, if you guys if you guys remember my my worlds, whenever I say, "Do I see a plus and a three after the plus sign?" So I'm going to say for every fanatic opponent this upcoming split. So be prepared. We're ready for it. We need the card. <laughs> where's cardboard cutout, Josh, for the LEC segments? That's. <laughs> You're gonna have. We need to get like the 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 staples button. You remember like those things with the staples button. You just have the should have signed crown shot, and that's just gonna be the button logo. <laughs> All right, uh, LCS. Um, obviously, you mentioned double lift already. Um, Lost is gonna be the new eighty carry for TSM. Thoughts? Is there a weirder bot lane in the entire world than Lost and Sword Art? Maybe not. <laughs> That's got to be the weirdest bot lane to do. Get, We're going to talk about one later that I think is pretty close to as weird. <laughs> that was just I, I, I think TSM is going to be like you're not going to be able to bet on TSM unless you're betting against them. I think just based on like I don't I don't really think their their roster is that strong and they're going to be priced in all the books and stuff like they're one of the strongest teams in the league for sure. So I think it's going to be tough to bet on them, even if you kind of like what they're doing. Yeah. T- TSM. I- I'm more bullish on TSM than you are. And we talked about this in the last show, but TSM are probably going to end up being a stay away unless the markets are somehow like accurate to expectation, which they almost never are. Not at first anyway. Uh, like if TSM come into the season a favorite, they're just going to be like, you can't bet on them until halfway through the season. It's just going to be so shitty. Like, unless they're against, like, Dignitas, which will, you know. Speaking of Dignitas, they have a roster now. <laughs> we, we, they were all question marks last time. We have Fake God, Dardoch, Soligo, Neo, and Aframu. <laughs> Josh's face. I wish we could get the face on the podcast. I mean, it's like pretty accurate face. This is just like <laughs> whatever, right? Like, is that the vibe you guys get? Like, what? What do we? Okay, there's, I mean, we kind of knew this anyway, but there's just like no chance that this wasn't like a shit. Guys, we're in trouble. Like, sign somebody. Like, get somebody on the roster. Wait, free agency got, started last week. Open. Yeah, who's 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 open? Who can we get? Like, pile them in there, just, like, anybody that calls us. Like, if any guy who plays League of Legends calls the office, tell them their side for the LCS. Do you, Josh, do you remember the Cleveland Browns, like, botched trade because they didn't fax the thing within the time, the trade deadline window? This this lineup kind of feels that way a little bit, right? So, all right. They stayed in-house with Neo. Oh, no, Neo was Immortals Academy. I'm an idiot. Never mind. Um, so, yeah, never mind. Whatever positive thing I was going to say. Fake yeah, God's good. I'm... Go ahead. That's it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I think, yeah. like, Fake God and Saliga are, like, okay. I, maybe Aframu bounces. I'll give him, bounces yeah. back. I mean, I'll give him a, a bit of a reprieve. I mean, the rumors that I heard from, um, I think it was Bloop that posted, like, the, the, the threat of rumors was that they tried to get, like, some European talent. I think it might have been, like, Nemesis. Or crown shot. I don't remember which one he said they were going after. 
Um, so it could have been in one of those situations where they just put all their eggs in that basket and then didn't really have a backup plan and then it didn't work out and, and now they're kind of where they are. Um, and that wouldn't be too surprising for an NA team to do. Um, if I, are, are they one of the teams affected by the NBA partnerships yeah. as well? All right. Okay. So they may not have had as much money to spend as well. Um, I mean, it's kind of like Gelati says all, all the time, which I, I, I always razz him about, but it's like, there's, there's always more than meets the eye yeah. in these types of situations. And while I, while I don't necessarily like the roster composition in terms of the fact that I just know almost all five names, I don't know Neo per se, but I know the other four. Um, I don't really like that aspect. Like I'd rather be seeing a roster where I don't know, don't know the names and they're getting an opportunity to, to, to play. Um, I do kind of understand that at least it's not five former professional players, right? They're only bringing back Dardock and Aftermove. They're giving fake got a shot on the LCS stage rather than the Academy. We've so seen like, Saligo a little bit, right? He's played some Mel right. games. Has fake, yeah. fake God has played maybe like a game or two. Maybe not. I think, yeah, I think he might have played a game or two as well. But yeah, that's the only part I just, I don't really gel with. I kind of lean more to, towards John's camp of like, you know, if you're going to go this route, go ahead and clean house and give everyone a fresh new start. Like I would have loved to see them go and get 100 T A tenacity and can be here or something like that. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say is like, I was going to ask you guys is like, is that, does that bother you? Cause that's what bothers me is like, I don't think anybody at Dignitas is under the impression that this team is winning a championship or competing for a championship. And so it just feels like I was thinking exactly the same as Josh. Like, why not go get these guys like from the hundred, hundred yes. next team try, and try guys something like that. out. Like what, they like what does this team have to lose? Yeah. They have to be cheaper. And you can go get them and, and try out some people who we've never seen before. Because I mean, even Dardock, he wasn't like he wasn't the worst, but it's like we we've, we've seen Dardock quite a bit in the last like four years. He's never been on a team that was like really competing to win the the title. Even Fake God, Saligo, we've seen him in Academy quite a bit. May, I think for me, I just would have taken shots on guys like the Tenacity and Kenby and guys like that. Yeah, honestly, I mean, honestly for me, like I, I actually rate Dardock way higher than you guys do. I think he's like a top maybe four jungler, maybe five. I, I'm I'm way higher on Dardock than you guys are. He showed me like he was he was good last season. Just you know, do you think he's better than Broxa? I guess that's kind of like the uh, yeah. I, I think they're similar. I think so. The Broxa, it's weird. It's hard to evaluate Broxa because like he wasn't asked to do what he does last season. He was just kind of a body. And I feel like I feel like anybody on that team would have been exactly the same as Broxa. So like people like to shit on Broxa like all the time. But if you put like quite literally, unless it's like a world class player, if you put anybody on that team, it was going to be the same exact thing. Like you might as well have just labeled it like you know football. We always talk about like. Dallas running back one, right? Back, like five years ago when they had like this stud offensive line, it didn't matter who was behind it, right? If you go back to the 90s when they had like, you know, Emmett Smith, was Emmett Smith really that good? He was good. But realistically, like any above average running back behind that line for six years was going to be insanely, like was going to put up crazy numbers, right? So not, not that I'm not shooting on Emmett Smith, but like would have put up comparable numbers, right? If you like, if you put Barry Sanders behind that line, he would have been the best running back of all of all time. So, like, I, I think that Liquid team. I'm not saying like they were ridiculous, but they were very, very good. And to me, the jungler like mattered the least of all the roles on that team, which is weird. It's a weird dynamic, but like, I think the way that team was constructed, 
that anyway. I'm going on a tangent here. Bro, bro, I think Broxa got a, a bad. It's tough to judge Broxa on that season because it didn't matter. Like, and realistically, when it came to Worlds, he was good at Worlds. So, I mean, maybe we saw like realistically what what he really is at that point. Anyway, I think Dardock's very good. I think he's a top half jungler. I think that's that's me being conservative. I think he's a top five jungler. He's just been on shit teams for so long that it's really tough to to point that out. Uh, he's crazy efficient. People like to point to like the the end game gaffes that have happened with him, but like it's not your job to be carrying a forty minute game, right? It's your job to be doing everything else for the first thirty minutes of every other game, and that's what he does. So, yeah, to me, he's far and away the best player on this team. I don't think it's close, and it's going to be him like putting everybody on his back if they're going to do this. But this is this a tenth this is a tenth place team, right? They're in last place. You have to think so. I mean they're right at the very least they're they're an eighth through tenth team. Maybe they find a little footing and, and get some wins, but I can't see them coming higher than eighth. I'm gonna have to look for those not to make the playoff odds. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. E G Go ahead, Josh. I, I say one one thing I wanted to touch on is that the fact that nobody signed tenacity or can be makes me think that maybe they weren't cheaper, John, to your point. Um, cause that, that, that's a little hot to me, right? You would think someone of the, of the, of the nine other teams in the LCS, most of which were looking to replace either a jungler or a top laner, potentially, especially top lane where like, it's pretty much someday. And then everyone else is, licorice. I think, right? Yeah. Someday licorice. And then obviously we brought in Alfari and then you have Impact. Alfari, Huni. Yeah. You know. Like, I think that was a pretty replaceable position. So the fact that th- – that's what threw me off a little bit. No one signed them. It made me think that maybe they weren't as cheap as, as, as it would seem for, like, something like that, right? I have a theory that maybe 100 Thieves isn't fronting big money like TSM. They're not throwing $6 million contracts at Sword Art, but maybe they're giving $300,000 contracts to those guys to retain them. Like – that Which is would be smart. I would that be, would, I would, think would, that was that would be smart. crazy smart because it's not going to get covered. There's not going to be any noise about it, and we're probably not going to know about it for another three years if that's. The I'll truth, say right? that happens. Um, I'm always fascinated. Occasionally, I look into like soccer and the the Premier League, and those teams all have prospect guys that don't play for their main roster that play for smaller teams, and they're absurdly expensive. Like yeah. if you want to pick up like one of those like 16 year olds that's like a super prospect. It costs you like half as much as getting like messy. Yeah. Not, maybe, maybe not half as much, but like a lot if they, if you're looking at like a 16 year old that's hyped as like a possible next. Gen Dude, there's a, there's a, we see this. We see this in legal. Like I'll, I'll I, again, I'm going to point to T1 because they're just doing it right and they've been doing it right forever. All these T1 prospects, they don't let these guys go for free. Like they make other teams sign them to be. So we're we're going to talk about a couple of them in a little bit because a couple of them have been signed away and. They extend guys that haven't even played. Like retain your talent because you never know. You never know when someone's going to fall off. You never know when someone's going to get hurt. We don't see that that much in esports, but it happens. And maybe, maybe there's a bit. I mean, honestly, Papa spent a lot of time in Korea covering StarCraft and 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 League of Legends. Oh, he didn't spend time in Korea covering StarCraft, but covering League of Legends, he got to see this firsthand, right? Like. Maybe he's there's maybe he's got these guys like locked up to like pro, basically prospect contracts like you see in baseball or soccer right where it's like you know I want to offer you two hundred thousand dollars like right now 
I'm going to pay you $100,000 a year as an 18-year-old to not sign somewhere else and work in our academy system. Maybe you'll end up playing, maybe you won't. But, I mean, realistically, if you got a guy like Sword Art that's going to get, what, $3 million a year? Was it a two-year contract they signed him for? You can go sign these big, fat free agents, or you could sign five super prospects for, you know, two years for half that price probably. Not, probably not even that. It's actually really smart. I like it. Pop, Papa, we already talked about Papa Smurfing on the offseason already with the basically Golden Guardians acquisition. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, uh, EG. Uh, impacts Fenskara in the mid is still undecided. Deftly and Ignar, and then Peter Dunn's going to coach them. We knew about Peter Dunn already. We just didn't mention it last time. So they had Impact. I think that was the big one. We knew about Deftly and Ignar, I think. We talked a and lot about this one last time. We're thinking Jazuke, right? Didn't we? Hadn't we oh, yeah, it is, just gonna be, it is just going to be Jazuke. Yeah, yeah Jazuke. It's such a weird roster. Play? I mean, we talked about it last time, but I'll just quickly recap my thoughts, which is like, I think Impact is very good. I don't like Spence Garen. I think Jazuke is very good. I don't like Deftly. I think Ignar is very good. So it's like a super mixed roster for me. I have three guys that I'm pretty excited to have on my team if I'm EG, and two guys I'm not that excited about. So we'll we'll see. I think it's like a it's like a middle of the table, lower middle of the table team. I think EG have a lot of like a big range of outcomes. Like they I'll say, I think like a few years ago, I think this team like would have been very good. Like, the quality in the LCS has gone up to the point where I think this is a lower mid-table team, even yeah. though they have some real studs on here. Yeah, we talked a lot about last time, just, like, mostly about Spence Karen, because, like, I'm I'm not bullish on him, but I'm not quite as bearish as you are, John. And that I, I think he's probably somewhere between what we saw last year and the year before. Like, I don't think he's, like, the best jungler in the league or the second-best jungler in the league like he was two years ago. But I don't think he's quite as bad as he was last season. And I think him and Jazuke, it makes a lot. Of, him, Jazuke, and Ignar, it's like three playmakers. So it's kind of like a bit of a wild card team. Like, I could see them upsetting and then, like, losing to bad teams, too. So maybe they're just middle of the table. All right. That's the LCS. The main thing we wanted to touch on for this show, because most of the Western League free agency was covered last time, and obviously we're taking 50 minutes to get into this because we had a couple good conversations. Yeah, it only took us an hour and ten minutes to get to the actual topic of the show, so right. we're doing we're doing great. Do you guys want to do the LCS or LPL or LCK or LPL first? I'll just go LCK. It's on top. LCK, um, Afrika. Uh, it's looking like the lineup's going to be Keen, Dread, Fly, and then Bang and Lahens, which was the the bottom lane I wanted to mention for weirdest bottom lanes. This is a weird like- lineup. Do you feel like maybe this is similar to the EG one for me? You got some studs, then you got some guys I'm not excited about, and it's kind of like mixed in there. But yeah. do you feel like maybe they should have been mid shopping? So all right, so like there was a lot of rumors that they just like lost the Trovi sweepstakes. There was a lot because they, they were the favorite to land him for a while. Like everyone was talking about like Trovi to Africa, Trovi to Africa. Like all these different outlets were talking about that. What's weird about this is like. Historically, I don't. I think Fly has just been like, like hyper mediocre, and he's like very narrow. But he actually had probably the best season of his career last year. The question with this is like, I don't. Do do you trust him to repeat that? I, I don't know. Like th- this team, this team feels worse to me. Like it feels like one of those teams I don't like where they're. 
paying a lot of money and have some studs on the lineup, but yeah. are not a contender to win the title. Like my one of my least favorite kinds of lineups. I mean, they they were pretty good last season. Like their only thing they did wrong last season was not be like an insane team. Like they were good last season. And they just weren't as good as Damwon, Dragon X, and Gen G, who we saw were pretty friggin' ridiculous, right? Like, they were, like, not that far off from T1. Like, they were, like, half a tier down from those teams, and they were, they were the, they were the, what's it called? They were the gatekeeping team. They just completely, they lost, like, two games the entire season against bottom half teams. Their only losses were against the elite team. So, like, in a way, is this roster really that much different? No, it feels pretty similar to me uh, of the kind of roster that they were doing last time, and it feels like you're going to get the same kind of results that we got last time. Yeah. A team that's capable of smashing all the mediocre to bad teams but is probably never going to compete with the best teams in the league. Josh, what are your thoughts on Afrika? Uh, I was just going to question kind of the bot lane thing because <clears> – <throat> To me, it seems like kind of a similar move to me. Like, I feel like Bang is more of the Uzi style AD carry than the other, you know, the other kind of AD carry that can play weak side and not necessarily, not necessarily command resources. And I felt like Viper was sort of like that as well, right? Sort of commanded the resources. So I feel like Lens, who has played most of his career with Viper kind of as a duo, seems to me like that, that wouldn't be too big of a change for him. But I don't know what you were seeing there that made you, made you have that. Yeah, effect. I just like. I guess, like, if you just look at this bottom lane as a whole, like, were Ben and Mystic or Mystic and Jelly better? Like, I kind of think they were. They, they're a little... I, I, I think Mystic is better than, than Bang. I, to me, like, Mystic is just the better version of Bang. Because I don't think Mystic is like this... Bang, at this point in his career, is like... Give me the resources and I will carry. And he kind of he's had like, to give adjust. Give me the resources and I will be an adequate AD carry. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. So, like, w- this was part of the problem with him on EG, right? Was that they weren't playing that way, so he looked terrible. Like, we we all saw it, right? If you look at his metrics, he was, like, actually insane. Like, he was yeah, no, crazy he had, he efficient. Had insane games when he got some resources. And, and even going. when he didn't, like, he was actually pretty good. The team just did not play around him whatsoever at all. So this is, I was just gonna say like, this is, this is what's hard for me uh, for cross regional moves is trying to understand how it changes because like we have these theories about each region, but like it's honestly like almost impossible for me to realistically be able to tell you how much better Lehenz is than to his, right? Yeah. Even, even if we're focusing just on the bottom lines, not, not including Sven Skarin who, you know, John and I are again, lower on than Gelati. But I think all of us would agree is definitely worse than Dread, who's not even necessarily an elite jungler in the LCK. Yeah. So when you think about the bottom side of the map being those three people, like you're seeing Bang is upgrading probably his support and his jungler. So you know, maybe, it, maybe his entire team. Because to, right? to me, to me, Fly is Jazuke. They're the same. They are very similar players. So maybe maybe Afrika saw that and they were just like, "Hey, like this is a serviceable veteran. We missed. They probably missed out on multiple free agents. Would be my guess. They landed Lahens, which is a pretty big score. I, I think Lahens is still really, really good. Yeah, and a lot of people I respect think the same thing. Like that he was just kind of trapped in Eloho last season, but like, 
and it's changing a little bit, but the LCK does lean leans later game with heavier AD carry focus. So yeah. Bang, I mean that makes yeah. sense. Bang's a guy that that can do that for you. And we and talked I, about I also it when wonder... they picked up Mystic, right? Like that was what we were so optimistic about them for when they picked up Mystic because it was like this is his wheelhouse. He's going to fit right in. Like he's not going to have to deal with shenanigans early anymore as much. So go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I was just saying, I just I wonder too, like in terms of marketability, like we always forget, like these are businesses. Yeah. And and I would assume Bang's honestly a pretty big name just from just being associated with Faker, being associated with T1, has probably a fairly big following over there in Korea and just signing a big name like that in terms of marketability for the team, being able to sell merchandise and things of that nature, getting more viewers to your games. Keep in um, mind, Afrika is a streaming service. I would say, yeah, I would say Afrika TV itself. So, you know, you, we, we forget about those things, but I, I mean, I'm sure that plays some sort of role in, in all of this. So I, I do think... This is going to be an interesting team. I don't necessarily know that I'd upgrade them from, you know, the gatekeeper. Yeah. Like you said, I think that's probably about where they'll they'll stay in this place, you know, fifth, fifth, sixth, seventh, depending on, you know, kind of how the other teams gel and perform. Yeah, it's definitely interesting adding, because the bottom lane was good last year, but I do think Lehens was, like, better than either Mystic or Ben. I, I think Lehens is still, like, insanely good. I think he's the only people... He is in that like world class category, even still. We just it's hard to tell that when you're on a bad team, just with anybody, right? He's he's a world class support still. I mean, unless he drops unless, unless it's crown shot, but you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we'll see. Damn one. Uh Pumendu and Aries are gonna be the coaches. Aries promoted from the Academy League, Pumendu added from he was with uh Coma and Vici. Uh Leaves Vici, comes back to Korea to coach Damwon. Um, they're going to – I'm assuming it's just going to be Khan. So they add Khan from Fun Plus. They also sign Chazy, who I have no idea about, uh, really. And they retain the other four. So it's just going to be – it's just going to be Damwon running – like Damwon with a different coaching staff and Khan instead of Nogari. There's my my true hot take of the off season. Every year, like whoever won Worlds, when I'm looking at the next season, I'm always thinking to myself, like probably. I mean, you have to make these guys the favorite to repeat. You know, at least for now, until we start seeing something, you always you always have to think. You know, they just won. I mean, why why wouldn't they still be the favorite? This year, I think we're going to see a big step down from Dam One. Or at least, not necessarily that we're definitely going to. But I think there's a much higher chance than most teams that Damwon steps down at least one full step this season. Because we've seen this roster. For one, Nuggery was arguably their best player. It was I, right up I there hard, as, as one I of their best players. I agree with that. But, yeah, like, Showmaker he's, he's, very, he's, very, he's very good. He's very good is the point. Yeah, they're, I, don't, I think Showmaker and Canyon are definitely in the argument. You could definitely see either one of those guys was better than, than Nuggery. But he was up there. Too. But, yeah, you're right. Um, I got you. And I don't think Khan is as good as him, but that's not the main reason. The main reason is that we've seen this exact roster in like five different metas, and in four of those five metas, they weren't that good. Like they were still yeah. good, but they I mean, weren't. They, they literally made worlds. Yeah, they they were still good, but, but they weren't an elite world championship exactly. team in like four out of exactly. five of those metas. And then they did win the they did win the world championship in one of those metas. But I think there's a pretty decent chance that when we see a different meta game, and with the downgrade from Nuguri to Khan that this team is like a, a third place team and, and not nearly as dominant as they were last season. So if I can find like some way to bet against them, like winning the LCK or, or bet on them to be 
like a third, fourth place team. If I can find any way to bet on that, I think I'm going to try to bet on them not being a top two or three team. Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely with that. So here, here's my similar take, but different approach to it is I think the the coaching staff changes a bigger deal than people think. That's true too. Think about so like Damwon over the course of like their time in the LCK, like even when they were coming up, right, uh, you know, from academy and they just were dominant their first season along with Griffin, right? It was all about reeling the players in and figuring it out as you go. Even spring last year, this was a fourth place team in spring. It wasn't until summer they went from fourth place in spring to probably the best individual season of League of Legends that we've ever seen in summer from any team ever. So, well, any team in a major region, I should say. Um, that doesn't just happen. Like, the players don't just all flip a light switch, right? Like, that's a coaching thing. And we saw it, right? They made adjustments. And part of Damwon's problem is that they're very instinctual players. They just want to play make. Like, just, they just want to do what their instincts tell them, right? And sometimes that gets them into really shitty situations. You look at this, the, the summer version that won Worlds of this team, they were hyper-disciplined. They took Nogari, who was, like, historically not a disciplined player at all, and he was, like, super reeled in. Like, Huni World Championship level reeled in, right? It was the same kind of vibe as that. And, I mean, this team's ultimately just going to be good because they have, like, a bunch of stud players. I don't even think the Khan Nogari thing is that much of a downgrade. To me, it's the coaching and chemistry that's going to be the big question mark. Nogari just worked for this team, and the coaching staff figured something out. I don't know if if the new coaching staff is – I mean, Pumandu is going to be the head coach, and he's never been a head coach. He's been an assistant coach a bunch of times, right? So you have a new head coach, guy that's been in the coaching scene. He's he's retired as a pro, world champion with two, SKT, obviously. Um, moving to a coaching position. Has been in a coaching position for a number of years now, but has never been a head coach. Is now going to be a head coach. They add Khan, who I think could basically just be Nogari. It's just going to be a matter of the chemistry. This team's still going to be good, but I'm with you, John. Like I, I don't think this is automatic like they're going to win again. Especially yeah, because- I don't think crap on them. I just mean I think they'll take a, a step down. Yeah. I think they're going to be a third or fourth place team. They're going to be a, mortal again. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, and I think it's it's that with other teams taking a step up, like T1, for example, yeah. taking a step forward, um, and, and you know, these other teams that could could move up. The the one thing I'll ask you, Jelati, is I know you're you're one of the most staunch con supporters. It's his third team in three years. Like, is, are there any questions about you know, maybe his personality or like you said, it's, it, it's a chemistry based thing that we don't understand. So I'm, I'm just like a little bit curious if, you know, this could be a situation where he's just not fitting in and, and where he goes, you know, cause again, third team in three years, is, is kind of odd. So for talent. I would argue that he fit in fine with SKT, right? He definitely didn't fit. The FBX move was weird. And, and in hindsight, like when we, when that first happened, I was really excited about it because it was like, holy shit, they have, like, this, like, versatile guy that can do whatever, and they have Game Goon, who's, like, one of the better weak side players at the position in the last five years, right? So I was like, oh, that's, like, a crazy toolbox that you can unlock, right? It clearly just wasn't working. I don't know if it was just, like, Warhorse's coaching style. I don't know if the, I don't know what 
something wasn't working with the FPX thing, but I think FPX's problems were far beyond that. Like, even when they brought Game Goon in, I don't know if you guys remember, but, like, when they brought Game Goon in, it was against, like, the soft part of their schedule, and they started winning. I was like, okay, like, they whooped on the bottom five teams with Game Goon in. Obviously, it mattered, because they had to win all those games to have a chance to get the playoffs, and they did. So, there's something to be said for that. But, that was a weird dynamic. You have him leaving Korea, first of all, going to a team that was very bizarre, and how they operated, just in general. Like, the FBI, do, do any of us disagree that FPX are just kind of a weird team? Yeah, weird and a team that I don't really think needed him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That, that was the other thing. It was like, it made sense at the time. It was like, oh, why not just add more talent? But it ended up disrupting. I mean, they ha- again, they had bigger problems that were beyond Khan or Gimgoon or anything. I think it was, they just had, they were trying to square peg round hole too much with that team. And they were okay by summer. They figured some things out, but other teams also elevated, so it was this weird double swing that happened with them, but that's a different story. Um, There's maybe something to that, Josh, just to bring it back. But, I mean, really, if you want to find an Ogre clone, I mean, you're never going to find someone that's exactly, oh, he's clearly played with these guys for two two and a half years now. Like, you're you're not going to find an exact carbon copy of that. I think Khan is pretty damn close to what you're going to get for Nogari in terms of, like, what he plays, the fact that he can do both, the fact that he prefers to carry, the fact that he prefers not necessarily split pushing, but, like, impact player, like, impact play champions, cannon, stuff like that, right? So, obviously, how the meta shakes out is going to, you know, determine a lot of this stuff and we don't know that yet we can speculate all we want but in terms of free agents that you could find a replacement for Nogari for I, I don't think you could really do much better than Khan so yeah I, they're, they're going to be a top four team it's just a matter of like honestly we've seen teams repeat before just not recently they could have signed Solo I mean yeah okay. it was right there everyone, everyone getting <laughs> Uh, DRX, uh, destroying King and are gonna battle for the top. Yeah, I'm just, I can't, I can't engage on that, John. <laughs> I just can't do it. Um, destroying King and are gonna fight for the top lane spot. Piosek stays. Salka, who is, who it's just Quadi, just renamed. Uh, Bow and Rebecca from their academy team, and Rebecca I think is gonna rename at some point too. But there's like. They've cha- they, if you go to like the league PD page, it's like, oh, Rebecca's renamed to this, is renamed to this, is renamed to this. It's like, pick, make up your mind. Um, so, Bow and Rebecca were the the academy DRX academy bottom lane. Rebecca's seventeen and has already played two years of academy, which is crazy. This is the difference between Korea and us, Korea and the West. They're essentially signing like single A baseball contracts. They're going. They're going to these kids and being like, "We'll give you a hundred thousand or fifty thousand dollars to say that you're not going to sign with someone else for two years." They're pop- this is why I think Papa Smithy might actually have something with these these hundred thieves next guys. But anyway, um, this roster would have been really interesting to me more with CV Max because we've seen him able to pick out these young talents before. They're promoting two from within the 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 organization and they're retaining Piosik and quad and bringing, I'm assuming King is going to end up being the starter. 
Yeah, just a classic rebuild scenario, keeping Piosic, who was a success, like a success story for them. They couldn't hold on to Caria. They let the expensive older guys go. It makes and they a just lot of rebuild, sense. But yeah, I think this is a great rebuild. I'm, I'm really happy about this lineup. They're not going to compete to win, most likely, but yeah. uh, I think they're it's a good way to rebuild, and they, they held on to the, the young piece that was working in Piosic. I think it would have been better if they could have held on to Caria, too, but I'm guessing the kind of offers they were getting for Caria were probably too big Yeah, uh, when they're going into a rebuild, and they know they're not going to win, and he probably wants to win. So, yeah, I, I love what they did. Even yeah. I don't think they're going to be a contender, but I love what they did. Yeah, they're going to be an interesting team to handicap because I think they're they're going to be another one that's I want to say like kind of like TSM and that they're going to be overpriced for a little while. But once that overreaction kicks in, like maybe halfway through the season or whatever, halfway through the spring season, they're going to be like a buy. They're going to be like a buy when they when they're people settle in on that they're oh this isn't DRX anymore. Once that settles in, or once the, the, the price bakes that in, then they're going to be a buy team. But until then, they're probably going to be overpriced. So, yeah, Quad is really, really good. The only thing Quad ever did wrong was be behind Chovy, which you can't really fault anyone for. It's kind of like the T1, baby T1 situation, right? So, uh, he's very, very good. Also, a weird, dual, like, actual dual threat actually plays top lane was like he was he's got he's challenger soul he's a an actual solo lane player would have fit in on old victory five before they were good like actual solo lane player like plays both right mold does this too so um he's just really really good so um was was quad the casio the casio one yes yeah he's the casio one trick but he's also he plays both lanes he's got multiple accounts in in you know, Korean challenger, which obviously a lot of these guys do, but, uh, yeah, very, very, very good. And he's going to get a chance at a starting job. I'm always more bullish on these guys that finally get an opportunity like this than I think a lot of people are, but I do have some questions about the rest. I mean, I don't know that much about the story, but the rest of this lineup, I could see, I could see this team being like sneaky good, but they're not going to win the split. Probably like I'm with you, John. I was going to say, I was going to say, like, looking at this roster, it doesn't seem like a bottom half roster to me in general. It's not like Kingdom was bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, L6 obviously not bad. Quad's not bad. And the bottom line's kind of a bit of an unknown, right? And they're, well, they're keeping the bottom line together, which I think is if you're going to promote, you promote both, right? Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Brion Blade renaming again to, I, I guess it's Fredeep. Brion, I don't know. Make up your damn mind, Brion Blade. Um, it's going to be Hoya, Chieftain, um, Chieftain, and Umti battling for the jungle job. Lava, Hannah, and Crescent. So uh, Crescent is a T1 former T1 and Gen G Academy uh, Academy like super one of these prospects that these two teams hunted out because those are the two like Academy teams. Th- those two in, like it's T1 and Griffin and Gen G is like the next one. Everyone else, it's whatever. But like those teams scout talent really, really well. So anyone that's like a T1 Academy player, like you just got to pay attention to. They just, because they just get it, right? So he's been playing competitively since he was 16. Uh, Chieftain, we know from BLG two years ago and Vichy last year. And then Umti and Lava, we know from Hama Life and Jin Air and a bunch of other teams. Maybe not. Lava, we kind of had high expectations for last year and he was just not good anymore which was kind of sad. Maybe we get a little bit of a regression to his career norm, and he's better than he was last year. 
Uh, Umti, I think, is actually very good. Uh, he's not like an elite level jungler, but I think he's. I mean, he's better than a lot of junglers that we see in the you know the challenger scene. So this feels like uh, a slightly worse version of a rebuild than the yeah. DRX version. I mean, they're rebuilding, but rather than having Piosic, who I think is like a promising young player, instead they have Lava and Umti and Chieftain, who none of which have ever really been ex- like super exciting. Yeah. And then they're they're testing out the other guys. So just like a not exciting rebuild team that's probably going to be in the bottom three spots. I didn't mention Hoya, who was a Griffin trainee from two years ago and played on this team in Challenger scene last year. So he's the top laner. I think this team's like – I don't know if we're going to see a dumpster fire team in the LCK like we did last season. Like I don't think we're going to have an APK in this in this season. Like to to me, this team is this team on like to me, this team looks better than APK did last year at any point. So already like an upgrade to me. This might end up being last place team still, but it's not going to be like a free a free square every week. Just bet against them every single week. Like it's not going to be an auto fade kind of situation. So Gen G are basically just running it back. Um, they add Flawless, and then Goong's going to be the coach, and they added Karis from their academy team. Uh, Flawless from Rogue Warriors. Um, hit or miss, kind of Feast or Famine-style jungler. They're just – Genji are just running it back, which we talked about. Like, what do we want Genji to do? Exactly this, right? Yep, I think running it back, and, and it makes sense to bring up a couple guys to watch behind and, and be prepared. But, yeah, I think we wanted to see a run back, yeah. and that's what we get. I think we all like T1, but I, I'm going to be – I'm almost definitely going to have some shares in Genji futures because I think they're going to be the best value on the board probably. I know we hate to do this, but would you guys have been on board if they would have just picked up Khan? I know, I know we don't yeah. like – we we don't really know, you know, what the situation with Rascal's contract was, Khan's asking price, any of that stuff. But I, I would have been really interested, like extremely interested in the team that would have picked up someone Khan. I think. Yeah, I, I would have been interested for sure. But Rascal also really, really impressed me last year. He was so, so he might have been one of the more underrated players on earth last year. I mean, obviously this team was very, very good, but he was incredible last year. He did everything. So. And I did not – I was like, okay, I had, like, moderate expectations for him, and he, like, blew my expectations out of the water. He was very good last season. He was the reason they won a few games last season, for sure, and they had a stacked roster. So, I kind of wonder, like, if you're Gen G, with how good you were last year and how close you were to maybe potentially being, like, a world's winning team, I'm interested if they put in any sort of bid at all for, like, Nuggery or Caria like a real big name free agent to pick like life. I thought was good last season, but I think you could upgrade him. And I feel the same about rascal that he was like very good, but he could be upgraded. And I wonder if they even thought about like maybe putting down the, trying to slam dunk home a, a superstar to add to the roster or not. Even I mean, it's Chovy, right? enough, but yeah, they, they could have gone to Chovy. I think BDD was BDD's probably like, good enough that I wouldn't risk like mixing it up with him. I think BDD is like a top five mid laner and it's really hard to argue like I'm talking in the world, and but yeah, I think it's hard to argue. Like, why would you? Why would you screw that up? Like, other yeah. than, like if you want to change for the sake of change, I think that's the argument, right? But like, I, yeah, I'm, this I'm is exactly what I wanted from them. Because I think the roster adds really good. Prospects. Yeah, and I think they could win the league, and I think it's a good roster. But I, I'd just be interested if they even considered yeah. trying to slam another superstar on there. 
I also wonder, like, with Caria specifically, like, I wonder if Ruler had any say in that. Because Ruler and Life were maybe the best bottom lane in the world last year. Who's better? Yeah, like, I, I think they were better than Ghost and Barrel, and I had a high... Oh, I think there was some LPL. I think there was some LPL. I think they were, better, I think they were be. better than Jackie and Yuyanja. I think maybe, Loken and Lumao was yeah, very maybe, good. maybe not Loken and Lumao. Chrono Shot Unlimited. Like, I mean, yeah, like, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I, I really do think they were probably the best bottom lane in the world, mostly because Ruler's just a freak of nature. But. Yeah, on a, on a non-meme, I think, I mean, like... It's, maybe it's Teddy hard. and Effort. They weren't at yeah, Worlds, but they were really... And it's always hard to tell, like, are we comparing Worlds or non-Worlds? Because, again, this team looked really bad at Worlds. Like, at Worlds, you could have been as direct as Nilla saying. Um, yeah. But, yeah, they're definitely up there in terms of the overall strength from each each position. Because I think both these players are, are top three in their position in the region. And yeah. honestly, not the case for very many bottom lanes. Period. I can't think of any honest... Like, there's not really any in any other region, I don't think. Maybe if you consider considers Ven a top three eighty carry in, in NA, but there's really too many. Maybe maybe Jackie and Yuyanja. Look at Logan and Lumao is like the only other one really. Yeah. Or um, to be argued to not Jumang be top three. Missing. Jumang and missing maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you could argue that you know Quan Fang, Jackie, uh, Jumang were all better than yeah. Logan. I mean, Hope even like. Hope and Mako. Yeah, Hope and Mako was yeah. really good. Um, yeah, it, definitely. Again, yeah. Uh, I, I, to, to me, Genji and, and we're going to get to T1, but we are mostly touched on them already. To, to me, Genji and T1 are going to be the, what's it called? Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, John, I think that's a good idea. Um, to me, they should be co-favorites. I don't I, like, I like the T1 lineup slightly more, but I, this is exactly what I wanted Genji to do. And, they did it, so I. Anyway, um, Hamwa Life. We talked a lot about Hamwa Life last season, uh, last week, because uh, they've made maybe the biggest splash in the LCK. Like, obviously, they're making a push to be one of these competitive teams. Hearts. What is, is going like, on with this roster, dude? I'm just uh, gonna interrupt you because uh, did you did you did you see what I did you see what I I typed? I said fantasy nightmare roster. So we're gonna talk about that. So uh, they add Hard as a coach. Um was one of the best players in the world for the first, like, five years of League of Legends, one of the best supports to ever play. Um, Coach 2017 RNG, Coach EDG in 2018 and 19 is now coming back to the LCK where he started. I'm going to go through this roster. This is going to be a nightmare for a lot of people. Um, so we've got Dudu and Morgan and Riss. We've got three top laners. We've got Arthur and Cad and Johan in the jungle. We've got three junglers. <laughs> We got Chovy and Mask. This is probably going to be just Chovy. <laughs> we have Chioni and Deft in the bottom lane. It's probably just going to be Deft, but who knows? And then Bout is officially the starter. Vista's officially a sub. So it's probably going to be Morgan, Cad. Chovy, Deft, and Bout are going to probably be in every single game or most of the games. And then the top lane, the top in jungle, it's just going to be. A rotating door, I think, because a lot of people are going to look at this and be like, "Oh, it's obviously Morgan's the starter, right?" Dudu was pretty good last year. Like once he got some games under him, he was obviously pretty bad when he first came in, and they were a pretty bad team. 
And I think people look at Morgan and be like, oh, WWE was successful. Morgan was a good role player. But that always, isn't always something you can get away with. So I legitimately think this is this could be a double rotating door situation, which is really weird because they went out and spent all spent on Chovy, right? And they went and got deft, and they spent all this money. And we're like, oh my god! All they need to do is find serviceable people, and this is going to be a competitive team. And now they just are going to have a rotating door. I think what is- for the League of Legends team, this is good. This is going to be an absolute nightmare game to game to bet and fan- for fantasy purposes. My question is, almost every team in the world wanted to try to get Chovy. How is this where he ended up? Yeah. Like, somebody has to explain the circumstances that led to this being the team that he ended up on, because almost every team wanted him. Was this literally just like Hanwha Life opened up the checkbook and handed him a blank check? Yeah. And he was just like, I want the money? Because, like, he could have gone to so many teams, and this team just seems like a completely random place for him to have ended up with all these other teams shooting for him. Yeah. I mean, I might be off base here, but I don't know. Chovy kind of seems like a bit of a follower at this point. Uh, I mean, CV Max to DRX, right? And now he's following Def to Home of Life. And, like, I don't even know if you would say either of those situations in, in, in a vacuum were his best opportunity, given his his ability at the time. I, I guess Chovy wasn't as hyped last offseason as he is this offseason, but especially this offseason, going to Hanwha Life when he likely had offers from almost every, like you said, John, almost every single LPL and LCK team, not to mention getting paid probably ten times as much to just come to NA. Yeah. Yeah, when I heard Chovy to Hanwha Life, when I first heard that, I was like, I can't wait to see what other huge names Hanwha Life is bringing over here. They got to be bringing four other monster names over here. And then it's like to look at this stop and jungle situation. I'm not saying it's awful, but it's just like, this is not what I expected when I saw that Chovy had signed for Hanwha Life. I was expecting to see like, it's going to be Nuguri and Clid and Chovy and Deft and Caria or like, you know, something like that. Not like, doo-doo and and you know i'm gonna draw a very maybe controversial and unpopular comparison here is how life cloud nine chovy equal perks question marks across the board otherwise washed up yeah, 80 carry I, look listen i think deft is, i think deft is the second best 80 carry to ever play the game but at this point in his career, he was the worst player on that team last season. That's better than uh, uh, anyway. Uzi's, Uzi's the only one better than him. I, yeah, I just don't know about Teddy, but I think it's questionable. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so Def's had obviously a longer career. So right, I, I would just say like I don't even know if you could say that because like Cloud Nine had like the best team in the league last year, right? For the, for the majority of the year, there. It's a shame how world turned out. Nice. So let me yeah. let me rephrase yeah. it. Like like Cloud Nine now. Yeah, but I mean, like even now, I'm saying like they're they're signing perks with that backdrop, right? Yeah. Like you would never say Vulcan's less than top three at his position in NA. You would never say that Zven's less than top. All right. Let Whatever. Me, let me He's rephrase this a little bit. What, I, what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, they went and got arguably the best free agent. Maybe in the world, one of them anyway. Perks, uh, you can say Perks, Chovy. Who else am I forgetting? Right, yeah, like it's probably one of it's Nogari, maybe. Right, they went and got the best, arguably the best free agent in the world. Right, 
and we had question marks about the AD. We have some question marks. <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously, crown shot, Stan, Josh over here. I I just think that, like, are Hanwha just going to – all right, I'm going to be interested to see what the odds are on Hanwha because if there are – if they are like the if, – if this is what the book anoints, the books anoint or the public anoints as this is the hype team this year, I'm just I'm just fading this team. I am I am the biggest Chovy stand you will ever find, and I'm hard fading this team. Do I think they're going to be bad? Probably not because I think – I mean, you're going to have a bunch of sophomore players here. You're going to have a rookie in, in, in bought that I, I think could maybe do something. I think Cad showed some promise last year. If it ends up being Morgan and Cad most of the time, this is, like, okay. But, like, I'm not – this isn't going to win the LCK. This team's not going to win the LCK. Like, no way in hell this team wins the LCK. What do you – so here's here, here's an interesting question, Vince, um, in terms of I, – I know you mentioned, like, you think Death's the second best of all time. It, why play with a rookie at this point in your career, right? Like, I, I don't understand that. That, that. That's what's really, really confusing to me about this is like, what? You, you, know say, what I, you could say that about last year too. Maybe Def sees so, something yeah. in this guy, right? Like, maybe yeah. the carrier decision wasn't CV Max only. Maybe it was both. Maybe it was CV Max being like, this dude's a savage, and Def was like, oh, no, I've gotten you know my shit kicked in by this dude in solo queue. Like... Maybe it's both. Maybe Deft is just like, this kid's a beast. It's weird. It, this is such a weird team, right? It just, it just strikes me as odd that, you know, you'd think someone like Deft can kind of throw his weight around someone like Uzi and be like, sorry, I want X team or yeah. I want X support. And it's just odd to me that, you know, like you said, kind of the, in the past two years he's playing with rookies and it's just – it doesn't like compute in my brain because you know you have double lift. For example, we'll just say double lift in NA, right? He made the demand to TSM that either you sign me a god tier support or I'm going to retire. Yeah. But then you have this guy Deft on the other hand that's playing, going from rookie to rookie. It's just very awkward. Maybe Deft is just a company man. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, I, don't, I don't know. Like I would have thought the same thing with Chovy. Like I would I would have thought he would have said if I'm going to come to your team. You got to make sure that we're we're in here with some monsters on this squad. If I'm going to sign here, you got to guarantee me that we're picking up some other. You know, maybe depth was enough. I don't know. Does this seem like something went wrong? Like they had another. Maybe they were going to get con. Yeah, or Nuggery. Yeah. Like this feels like they got two thirds of the way there. If you're going to play with like two, if you're going to play with like Cad and a rookie support, okay, I can kind of understand that. But the rest of this seems a little – maybe they're just really high on Morgan. I don't know. Like, maybe they think Morgan's just, you know, God incarnate or something. I have no idea. But this is really weird. This is a really weird roster, and I think that we're going to have some opportunities. Because either this team is going to be – if this team's overrated, like – I don't want to say like Genji last year, but like if this team's overrated in terms of like the public is pricing in the hype of Chovy and Deft – Right, if they're pricing that in, then this is going to be a fade team, and you're going to collect some value on it. Otherwise, I think it's going to be like probably just to stay away for a while, like TSM, where it's like, okay, this team is obviously good, but they're going to be overpriced, so it's just going to be a no bet for a while, like Mad Lions in summer, right? 
once that hype developed and they were good, it's like, okay, we know this team's not that good, but they're just going to be unbettable for, like, the majority of the season. So, yeah, Hummel's going to be interesting. Weird, really weird lineup. Um, yeah, and after starting with Depth and Chovy, it's like, what the hell happened? Like, maybe they just spent their budget. I don't know. Um, KT Rolster. So, Harai, Acorn, and Supreme are going to stay as the coaches. They basically cleaned house besides UCAL otherwise. The other, like, nine people on this roster. Which, admittedly, you can make an argument that K- KT had, like, the deepest roster. In that, like, their their subs were, like, starter quality players. More or less across the board. Took some chances on some veterans. But they basically said, okay, that didn't work. They got rid of Smeb and Aiming and Tucson. Like, all, all, the, all the old veteran names that were good, but not, you know, obviously, like, kind of great a little bit. But, like, not elite. They kind of just cleaned house and they're starting fresh and they're building around UCAL now, which we've wanted to see for a while, right? So, same coaching staff, cleaned house besides UCAL. It's going to be Doran, probably Gideon is going to end up being the starter, or we'll touch on him in a little bit, but they also have Bonnie at Jungle. UCAL is going to be the mid laner, then they're going to have Five Kid and Hybrid battling out for the AD carrier position, and then Harp and Rebel for the support position. So, uh, Harp and Rebel were both in the KT Academy. They were both sport players. They both kind of played a little bit of time each. Rebel's a former T1 Academy guy. Gideon is a former uh, Griffin prospect. Actually got some some ire from the LPL like two years ago. He just turned 17 in August. So, um, yeah, crazy. Five kids kind of been like, not like Nest teams, but like sub academy. Like, the, like Korea has like another league below um, the Academy League that is the former NLB that's now just uh, like a different, like it's like a league cup that universities play in and all these private teams play in. So um, this team's weird. I, I kind of think this team could be really, really good. They might be like a like a, like a dark horse candidate because I, I liked what Doran did last year. I think Gideon's going to be a stud at some point. Like what he's finally getting a chance to play. I think UCAL is a stud. We've seen it. They add hybrid too, which I didn't mention before. Hybrid was the only, literally the only good thing that ever came out of APK, right? Or Solhe One Prince, as a lot of people know them now. Hybrid was actually like him and Huan Fang were actually the most like the highest DPM carries in the world. Doesn't say a lot of good things about your team if if he's the guy doing that on a bad team. But hybrid's very good. I think this team could be like sneaky good. I don't think they're going to be good necessarily, but I do think this is the right way to rebuild just like DRX. Agreed. I think you take you take UCAL, you take Hybrid, some known quantities who are very good that seem like Promote they have high Promote from within your system a little bit to make to make yep. sure that people think that they can do that. Yep, and bring in some guys that, that have upside that are younger. Yeah, I think this is just the right way to rebuild. Perfect blend. Primo, and uh, I, don't nec- I don't necessarily expect them to be a, any sort of contender, but this is how you want to do it. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a team like this or like the DRX roster be a contender come next year, spring, or even come summer if things really come together. I don't think we're going to see them winning in spring this year, but um, you could, I think you could see these teams stepping up a year from now. I could see this team getting like fourth or fifth place. Like I think that's totally reasonable. I think they're going to be a playoff team. So I think this is a good roster. A lot of question marks for a lot of people, but like the the, the young kids they have are very very good. And the known quantities are very, very good. 
So it's not like a very exciting looking lineup, but I agree with you, John. Like if you're going to rebuild, this is how you do it. A little bit of balance, right? Promote some from within the organization. Sign the, the, the stud that's young that you have in UCAL. Add, I mean, Doran's pretty young too, and Doran was very, very good last season. It's a good blend. You have a good blend of, of veterans, guys to build around, and prospects. So, And from within the organization and out of the organization. So I think it's a good blend of everything. Good job. Good on you, KT Rolster, for knowing how to rebuild. Bravo. Um, I don't know if this is going to be Live Sandbox or, or 55 Sandbox, or I don't know what the hell they're going to call this. Um, L-I-I-V Sandbox. What's the Roman numerals? I should probably know this. Anyway, um, Travel was a former Damwon coach, assistant coach for the pre-last year era of the coaching staff. He was he coached them for their entire trip through academy and let the first season in professional. He was the assistant coach. was also with ESC Ever and some other teams before that. The roster looks like it's going to be Summit. They still have On Fleek. They still have Fate. They extended route or route. They added effort, and they still have cabbie. If I had to guess, this is probably going to be Summit, Croco, Fate, Route, and Effort as your starters, and then probably like on fleek chiming in. Croco's uh, one of these like highly touted prospects, so I think he's going to get some time. Does this feel like sandbox? Sandbox like kind of upgrade, but is this enough? This looks like yeah, that, maybe a playoff team. That's the question. It seems like they went a little bit above where they were before. Like, Effort's a nice pickup. I think Effort's a good player. Uh, Croco does have some hype behind him that even I've heard. Um, but the rest of it kind of staying the same. They weren't very good last season, really. Are they going to be able to, to really – Is are those two guys going to take him over the top? It doesn't feel likely. Feels like a, a lower place playoff team, or maybe just barely missing the playoffs. They look just like a freaker to me. Like yeah, they're constructed kind of the a, same way. Yeah, a not exciting, but not like they're a team that's going to give you a shot to be in the semifinals, probably. But but you know, an outside shot of being in the semifinals, and more likely, you know, somewhere a little bit lower. It's going to be another like bubble playoff team. Like they're probably going to be like fourth to eighth somewhere. Like fairly wide range of outcomes josh yeah that's how i'd call i mean i think and i think john john may align here i don't know i'm curious to get you guys' thoughts if you agree that it kind of seems like the worst possible position to be in in terms of like it just feels like we have a few good players but we're also not really competing to be the best and we're also not rebuilding like feels like a terrible terrible middle ground like i would i would have loved to see them i know trades aren't really a thing but like of it from a, from a more traditional sports perspective, I would love to see them try to like sell off Summit for spare parts type deal. Uh, Even just not picking up effort feels better to me. Like assuming that effort costs some decent amount of so, money, and I, I think he's a good player, but I think not picking him up might be better than picking him up for a team in this position. Sandbox feels to me like another one of these teams that missed the boat on something. Like they're two thirds of the way there, right? Like put Chovy onto this team. What if they win the Chovy sweepstakes? And all of a sudden you have, like, Summit, Krako, Chovy, Route, and Effort. Like, that's a that's a good team. That's a top-four team to me. Yeah. But, uh, and the sequential order of things definitely makes it hard to understand. Like, yeah. 
I mean, it could have been that everyone was trying to build the best team for Chovy to want to choose them, right? Like you're saying. And so it's really hard for us to have any sort of insight to that. Um, but it, it does just kind of feel bad from a perspective of, of looking at the team and, and what we think they can realistically do. It doesn't seem like super hopeful for the future nor for the short term. So it's, it's, it's kind of a tough spot for sure. This is the kind of team I'm going to like to bet on, but I don't necessarily like, if that makes sense. Like dynamics was for me last year, where like I, I this I know this team's just going to be underrated, but I don't ever expect them to actually win the split or anything like that. So, yeah, to to me, it, if you're going to compete in the LCK, you you have to have a mid laner, you you have to have a stud in the mid lane. Period. There's never been a competitive team. Afrika is the closest thing we've ever had to like a pseudo competitive team that's ever had like a mediocre or worse mid laner. If you go over, look, lit, like quite literally, this is worth like the ten minutes of of Ligapediaing it, right? Go through and look at all the LCK playoff teams in the last six years. Go ahead and look th- for the last ever period. Look at all the LCK playoff teams ever and tell me how many bad mid laners are on those teams. There's almost none, and if they are, they're knocked in the first round. So. I know that's like a very old school, like, oh, you need to have defense wins championships. Like, it's a very cliche, like, old school, like, meme way of thinking or whatever. But, like, to to me, this team is, is it, they are capped by how good Fate is. If Fate ends up being, like, now he gets two, this is his second going to be, like, potentially full-time starting year, his true sophomore season, even though he played a lot before then, right? This is his true sophomore season. He really blossoms into a stud play. He was pretty good last year. I don't think he was, you know, bad or particularly great, but he had moments, right? If he can kind of blossom and grow into his, his, you know, his hype a little, not his hype, but his hype like two years ago, right? If he can grow into that and he can mature as a player and be like, turn into like an actual quality player, like mid laner, to compete with these top end guys, then Sandbox, I think, are going to be in business. But to me, that's, like, holding them back. Also, like, Summit Summit was a really – he was kind of like Hooney last year where I it was hard to tell whether he was checked out or just bad. He had, like, a little bit of, like, Hooney slash the shy to him a little bit where it's like, all right, dude, like, are you actually this dumb or are you just, like, not caring about this game and trying to, you know, put your team on your back, right? There's a little bit of a weird vibe with that and – They've kind of been a bad team for a little bit now, ever since they first came into the league and they were good. So maybe there's a little bit of malaise there. It's 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 weird. This is a strange team that I think like to me this team could be like as high as like fourth or as low as like eighth or ninth. Fairly wide yeah, range of outcomes. That yeah, that, that's how, that's how I feel as well. T one. So we talked a lot about T one. Um, since then, they've extended Gumiusi, Closer, Kana, Element, Owner, who's the new jungler they added, right? The full roster is a bajillion names. I listed the not essentially not prospects for their starters, like people that I could actually see subbing in for more than a couple games. It's going to be Kana and Zeus in the top lane, Cousin, Element, Owner in the jungle, which I actually think we could see a little bit of all three of them, which is going to be frustrating as hell. Faker and Closer, uh, Teddy, Caria was obviously the big acquisition, and then they extended Gumiusi, so I assume we'll see some of him this season like we did last season. It's probably going to be like Kana, Elm, Faker, Teddy, and Caria. That's like the 
going to be your main lineup, I would guess, in like the games that matter, like against the good teams. But uh, this is going to be another one of those like fantasy nightmare teams. Like T one is always kind of like this, so you're going to have to pay real close attention to like. Every t- everybody always gets caught off guard by like the first time it happens, I and mean, you just like get reminded. Don't get caught off guard this this time. Don't get caught off guard this year. I'll try to tweet it out when it happens. The first time T one plays a bad team, it's like they're gonna play subs here. Don't get caught off guard by it, right? But T one looked good. T one looked like a favorite to me. Khan is gonna be another year better. I, I mean, Elam was really really good. I, I think Cuz is probably gonna get phased out at this point, picking up another jungler. And, I mean, you're probably going to see Faker and Closer timeshare, and then Teddy and Karius should be just an insane bottom lane. Yeah, this feels like the LCK favorite to me. Uh, We'll have to see how the odds get released. I'm hoping that they kind of do what they've done in the past and just rate the teams based on how they did last year. Like, as far as their, like, upcoming odds for futures, because I'd love to get some some plus odds, some decent plus odds on T1. I already got T1 to win Wells next year. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, T1's uh, got a very good lineup here, and they're, they're my favorites. Yeah. To, to me, to me, Genji and them are co-favorites, but Genji's going to be overpriced, and they're going to be underpriced because of the fact that they weren't at Worlds. So, yeah, I, I think both lineups are very, very good. Uh, T1, Josh, thoughts? Is it, uh, more, more than anything, I'm just interested to see how Faker does. Yeah. Right? I, I want to see if, if it was a bit of a, you know, the, the that narrative going into the end of last season, you know, fair or not, was that he's falling off, and I want to see whether or not he disproves that notion, or whether you know what, as sad as it could be, it may be true. And uh, really, really interested to kind of keep my eye on that situation more than anything else. I think. Yeah, it's 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 going to be really weird to evaluate because closer was so so good. But we also got closer against, like, all the bad teams. We only got, like, two games of him against good teams. So it's going to be really weird because, like, they can both just be good. Like, it's not mutually exclusive, you know? So, like, they could just be an easy Hoon Faker situation again. We could have that situation again, which is wild to me. And I think, like, they found one of, like, the only possible upgrades at support because I think effort was crazy underrated. Guy's gotten better and better and better over his career. Maybe got the short end of the straw here a little bit. But, uh, yeah. T1, T1 are going to be good. They're a top two team for sure. Um, last but not least, my favorite team. Not my favorite team, but uh, a team that I went to bat for more than once last season. Uh, team Dynamics. Uh, extend their essentially their coaching staff. They added some more coaches as well, but they extended most of the guys they had there. Extended Rich, and this lineup is going to be oh, and they picked up Peanut as well. So this lineup's likely going to be Rich Peanut, uh, Bay, who I'll touch on in a second, uh, Doc Dumb again, and Kellen from Gen G, who's like the the support that switched played about a third of the time with Gen G. Uh, life got about two thirds. It was like a two third, one split, one third split there. Um, Bay is another one of these Griffin prospects from a couple years ago, and uh, I wrote on here noticing a trend with T one and Griffin prospects. They're everywhere. Look, not all of them are going to be superstars, but the fact of the matter is, multiple leagues. Some of them are starters now. Maybe not like the sexiest names or whatever, but like. 
we're going to talk about it with the LPL next week, which we already decided in the middle of this podcast that we're just going to do next week because we ran long. But a couple of the T1 prospects are in the LPL now. And I'm telling you, like, they've been doing this for seven years. Seven years of this. They were way ahead of the curve on this. Good organizations are good. That's period. Thoughts on team dynamics. Yeah. I'll say first things first, I think team dynamics is going to be right there in that tier of gatekeeping. Yeah. Maybe a little bit below. They feel like more of a like fifth to eighth range of outcomes to me type type squad. Um I don't necessarily think they did enough in the offseason to, to really change that. Um, I thought they were, again, like one of those teams you – we've talked about it before with, I think, World Warriors. One of those teams you kind of want to bet on to punch up. Um, but, you know, it's kind of – you know, their, their overall ceiling is not super high. Yeah, they were, they were a very good fundamental team. Like, they played good League of Legends, and they were willing to do some outside-the-box things. Obviously, Doc Dumb with the, the Heimerdinger 80 carry and some other things, but – they they were a good fundamental team that had enough different looks that they could throw you off with something, but ultimately like their their player quality was like their big issue, right? I thought yeah. Kuzan was fine, but they dropped Kuzan, so they're going with a new mid laner here. Um, yeah. I thought Rich was the standout for this team, and they retained him. Uh, they bring in prospect mid laner. They upgrade at I think upgraded support probably. I think Kellen was very, very good in the time that he played. A little hard to diagnose with how good Gen G was. And then they bring in Peanut. They also have Juhan, who's another jungler, but I'm assuming this is going to be Peanut if they brought him in. Yeah. I, I, the other thing I want to say is it's not related to team dynamics, but the second thing you mentioned about T1 and Griffin. So I'll, I'll touch on that after John gives his thoughts on the roster. Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think this is this is the poor team's version of a solid rebuild. Like yeah. I think they're they're a team that doesn't have the name value or the or the or the brand of a, of a DRX or one of those teams, uh, and they went into a rebuild. They kept the guy who was probably their most promising prospect and rich, kind of the same way DRX kept Piosic, and then they brought in some some younger guys for the most part. Peanut is the part of the roster that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, unless a weird. they're just going with like a you know share veteran experience about the scene with the other players type role for him. Um. But I think they did. Basically, they didn't get younger guys who are as hyped as some of the bigger name teams got. Like they got some guys that are coming in. Like this guy could potentially be a super stud in a few years. Whereas Dynamics has got some guys that like I hadn't really heard of, like be as as nearly as hyped as those other guys. But you know they're going into a rebuild. They kept their strongest player. It seems fine. I just I think they're probably like a fifth to tenth range of outcome team for me. Does this look like a thrifty rebuild? Like yeah, bought, like a they bought rebuild. cheap. They bought they they bought low on a bunch of players, which I think honestly, like we could we could talk about how we hate it, how like oh like this would be different if this was like a salary cap sport, right? Like if they had this is the kind of thing that you praise in a salary cap sport because you were thrifty, like you didn't spend a lot of money and maybe you got like a bunch of these players for cheap like two year contracts instead of expensive five year contracts, right? But in League of Legends, like we we want now, like it's this year, right? That said, I, I th- what's weird, I agree with you. The peanut ad is like the weirdest thing to me because for a team that was like their their core basis was being fundamentally sound, peanut is very very good, probably the best player on LGD, right? But LGD were a fucking awful fundamental team. 
They were a terrible fundamental team. So it's going to be weird for him going back to the opposite, I think. Not that, like, dynamics are, like, stuffy, arrogant, like, old school, like, like that. But they were, like, a solid fundamental team. It's going to be a little weird for him going back to that. But they also kind of had a little bit of a problem with, like, nobody doing anything. So maybe Pino is exactly the solution for that, right? Uh, this is an interesting – I could see – yeah, this is another big range of outcomes team, kind of like Sandbox, right, where I could see this team being, like, fifth, sneak into playoffs, maybe pull an upset in the first round, or I could see them being, like, dead last. But that kind of puts a wrap on the LCK in general. Is is How are we looking at the LCK in general? Because to me, I don't think we have an APK team this season. I mentioned this earlier. I think you're going to have, like, a normal – the last two years have kind of skewed the LCK because we had Jin Air in 2019 who were just next level terrible. And then we had APK last season and kind of Hanwha too. I don't think we have like a truly bad team this season. Like APK were an auto fade. By the end of the season, Hanwha were close to that. Jin Air were an auto fade the year before that. So we've had two years of conditioning for like auto fading in the LCK where like there's just a, there's just a downright, there's a New York Jets, right? I don't think I we mean, have that this year. Is is the Fredit? Uh, I don't know how you say it, but Fredit Brion, whatever. That's not auto fate to you. I, I don't see anything to like there. They're they're probably the worst team, but I like that lineup better than I liked anything APK put out last year. I think for sure there's enough teams rebuilding here that one of them's not going to work out. Yeah. We may not know who it is yet, but I think like by about week five of spring, we're going to realize that one of these teams yeah, is awful. That, that's probably John a better maybe. take on it, honestly, John. Breon's probably the front runner to be that team, but yeah, I, th- I think we'll definitely end up with a really bad team. We're just not sure which one it is yet necessarily. Yeah, that's probably fair. All right. So we ran really, really long tonight. We kind of went off on that ESPN tangent and a couple other ones and talked about double lift for a little while. So that was good quality stuff though. Oh, it absolutely was. So we're going to audible a little bit mid podcast. We're brainstorming mid podcast, not brainstorming. We're, we're just changing plans. Mid podcast here. We're going to do the LPL next week and maybe we'll do some, we'll do some listener questions. If we get some listener questions, we need you guys to rate review, send listener questions, hit the either hit us up in discord Tweet at us individually, DM us individually, hit the Gold Card Podcast on Twitter uh, with any kind of listener questions, topic discussions, because we're going to have like a, a show or two in between, um, I think, like our like our what we normally do, our power rating shows, right, or, or our um, preseason ranking shows. We're going to have some time there. Maybe we'll answer a couple of them next week, so definitely send some um, some of those in, suggestions, listener questions. It can be about anything doesn't have to be about what we've t- like talked about so far. And then we'll do the LPL next week because I'll LPL... a preview of next week just to make sure people tune in. Yeah. There's my my like hot, you know, like, you know, TV shows that I was got to leave you on a cliffhanger, you oh, know, yeah. something hot to bring you in next week. Here's my cliffhanger for next week. Invictus appears to be running it back with the same roster and coaches. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, dude, the power of friendship. Go. The power of friendship I'm, compels you, dude. I hope, people, I hope my wife's ready cuz I'm ready to go here. After reading that news. Oh, man. Maybe we'll fire this up this weekend. If you guys are free this weekend, maybe we'll do this this weekend at some point. We'll see. We'll, we'll yeah, figure it out. We'll talk, we'll talk off cast. We'll talk off cast for sure. All right. Um, I guess until next time, we ran pretty long on this one. We will 
yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get something out this weekend or next week sometime. We'll get it out before the holidays, so I don't have to do happy holidays quite yet, but we'll get there. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be it for us this week. Anything for sign-offs? How's the challenge uh, going, John? Yeah, and I got something I can sign off with, but I'll also update on the challenge. So on the, on the challenge, I'm about 50 LP and gold, too, at the moment. I have been as, like, well... Like, since I stabilized in gold, I've been as low as, like, gold 4, 20 LP, and as high as gold 1, 30 LP. So I've been kind of up and down, uh, mostly lately in gold 2 and in gold 1. Uh, but it's a slow climb. I still have about two weeks left, and I need to get about 150 LP in those two weeks. So I'll be grinding away. Um, and then for the sign-off, uh, I just wanted to say... If you haven't seen, if people haven't seen the social dilemma, I think I would go check that out. It's kind of made in a in a a very easy to access way where some parts of it are are going to be a little too like low brain for some people that are going to watch it, but it's still really important information. Um, like the little side story that they're telling with the characters, uh, like the that is like pretending to be a movie is kind of a basic way for people that don't understand technology that well to understand how this information impacts them. But the movie is essentially just about understanding how social networks work and and how their data mining and the way that they use the data affects society. And I think it's really, really valuable. I said on Twitter that I think it should be required watching for middle schoolers, and it's made in a way that middle schoolers could understand. Um, just like to give you an idea, like they got things in there, like they talk about in there how uh, social media engines have have proven through testing that they can change the results of various different things like elections like if if they run different ads to different people at different times of the day during different content they can alter election results yeah. or they can alter and not by like cheating in any way just by being able Influence. to literally alter what people are thinking subconsciously <clears throat> and there's a lot of that kind of stuff in there and it's very very interesting and very very good Josh anything as he's as he's rocking on the beach there. Yeah, uh, I don't have anything big standing out here. Just uh, the there's a, a lot of change coming. Hopefully, we're getting to the end of the the whole uh, COVID era. It sounds like with the with the new vaccines being released. So excited for that going on right now in terms of uh, real life things. Get just vaccinated. Be, yeah, say from and, and just enjoy the holidays, man. Like. Uh, if, if you have the opportunity to, to visit family and be able to hang out with family, I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity given health concerns or whatever it may be, but just enjoy it. Don't take it for granted because we saw this year, like I mean, a lot of people don't have the same access to these types of situations and, and, and it, it can be very touch and go. So definitely, definitely try to enjoy the time you have if you do get to spend it. Absolutely. Um, I don't really have the greatest sign off or anything. I'm lame. What can I say? I've been leveling up my cooking game recently, as you as is evidenced by the food and drink channel in the Sports Department Discord, which is purely for food porn purposes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been spending like my my the the more free time I've had, you know, playing more solo queue, um, and leveling up my cooking game a little bit. So that's what I that's what I've been up to, and uh, I would direct you there for proof evidence of and, said practice. Yeah, and the listeners can't see it, but Chef Gelati is 
backdrop is is in in Gelati's bar right now. So he he's got the the kitchen back there behind him. He's chefing it up back oh, yeah. there. This is a this, this, this podcast. This podcast was sponsored by a. a I've dubbed it the Gelati. Did I tell you guys about this? So I've I've kind of dabbled. I've always like been into cocktails a little bit, but I've I've recently started just making my own because I haven't been able to like go out and get anything. And I've dubbed this drink the Gelati. It's a Boulevardier, which for those that don't know is a Negroni variant. So a Boulevardier is two parts whiskey, one part sweet vermouth, one part Campari. Exercise an orange peel over it in a cocktail glass with a cocktail cube, if you have it. My variation of it is simply that, except with rye, ris- rye, ris- eh, rye whiskey and two dashes of orange bitters. That's the only difference. So I had a, I had a signature drink when I was in college, gelati. It's mm-hmm. called the Old Johnny, <laughs> and uh, it it was ninety nine percent bourbon, one percent Coke. Oh, that's beautiful. Black, and you'd uh, usually it was a drink that you would give to your friend. Here, buddy, I made you a nice Jack and Coke here, and then let him let him take a nice little swig. It was it was a good drink. Oh my god, dude, that's like the convention. That's that's like the more extreme version of the convention drink, which is just half Gatorade, half vodka. That's like that's the that's the convention special right there. Oh my god, dude, that's we'll have to we'll have to start doing like a. I'm gonna have to. I wonder if. I would totally be ripping this off from LSV on on um, limited resources, but like every so often he does like a cooking pro pro cooking tips sign off where he's like, "Oh, this is how you level up your cooking in thirty seconds or whatever." So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go into that, but we'll save some for next week. There are currently snow plows outside of my apartment making a whole lot of noise. I don't know if you guys hear that or not, but it's snowing here. So all right. That's going to be it for next week. Uh, we'll get the LPL out for next week, and then soon after that, probably some power rating shows. Maybe in between we'll get a listener topic, or maybe we'll uh, maybe have a guest on or something along those lines. So for the time being, I think we're going to get on out of here, and we'll see you guys next week. See you later, The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.